This episode of No Bad Food is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Are you a producer of artisan food or drinks looking to get your name out there? Look no further. Whiskey Lane's team of social media, branding, and marketing experts is here to help. They'll take care of all that stuff for you so that you can focus on doing what you do best, making awesome products for your customers. Here at No Bad Food, we know that buying locally made products goes a long way toward making our world more sustainable, and that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Whiskey Lane. So, what are you waiting for? Grab your nearest artisan cheese or homebrewed IPA and run to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And remember, that's whiskey the Canadian way. Without any. You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. Hi, I'm Tom Zalatni. And I'm Tefra Jemian. And you're listening to the No Bad Food Podcast. If you're new here, welcome. This is a show about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. Our mandate is simple, to explore, taste, and learn about food in ways that celebrate all the things that make it great. Every week, we dig into a different dish, meal, ingredient, cuisine, or piece of food media, exploring the history and culture around it, sharing favorite recipes, and learning from our wonderful guests. The only rule? You gotta love it. After all, there's no such thing as bad food. Today, we're talking all about hanger steak. But before we dig in, we want to take a minute to acknowledge that the studio where we're recording is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We want to encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and with the indigenous communities of that area. Uh, Right now in... (laughs) Uh, Canada, we have a uh, real uh, interesting thing going on where a lot of truckers are protesting current vaccination passport mandates. Uh, And I have seen a lot of people talking about how, uh, look, the people who put together this this current uh, truck bullshit, I'm going to call it what it is, one, are white supremacists, and two, have raised like over $3 million in support of these protests. Uh, And there are still tons of people, tons of indigenous people in this country who don't have access to clean drinking water, whose pipes spew out black sludge instead of drinkable water. And uh, that could be fixed for a whole lot less than $3 million. And it hasn't been done because we live in a shitty place. So like, you know, if you're considering supporting these truckers in their fight for what they believe is justice, maybe uh, reconsider that and find something better to do with your money. Find something that actually helps save people's lives. I mean, all of this is the same week that another mass grave has been found at another uh, residential school in BC. And at this point, I mean, we really should be assuming that these are attached to every residential school in the country because mm-hmm. they are. Yep. If your main concern is, you know that you don't want to protect the people around you, then um, maybe fuck off. Yeah, that's a pretty good pretty good way to put that. Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting, like, looking at the, the thing with this trucker thing is, like, you know, people are saying if we don't let truckers cross borders when they're unvaccinated, the grocery stores won't have enough products for people. Uh, 
my issue here is twofold. The first is uh, I would like to direct you toward uh, indigenous communities that have been struggling with lack of adequate groceries forever. Uh, And two, look, a lot of local farms exist. You can get local produce. You can get local products. How about get that instead? Because they're not being prevented. This is something something we've talked about, something that's come up a lot, is this idea that, you know, having tomatoes in winter is a human right. Mm-hmm. And and it's <laughs> simply not, you know. No. Um, and, and the fact is that, A, yes, food supply lines to far north communities especially are abysmal. Mm-hmm. And there is such a lack of food. You know, that's within Canada. So maybe just send them, well, don't send unvaccinated truckers to the no, don't do that. communities. Please don't do <laughs> yeah, that. Don't that's do a that. terrible idea. Yeah. Um, but also just, uh, it, it is less important to have strawberries in Montreal in March than it is to maybe like stop having COVID. Yeah. Like I would, I would give up straw. I love strawberries. I would give up strawberries yeah. in, out of season. I would eat entirely locally uh, if it meant that we could be done with this goddamn plague that's ravaging mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. A little, little bit of that. A little bit of that. We're talking about steak. We're right? talking about steak. Uh, and, you know, let's let's be real. Canada? Pretty good place for getting beef, okay? This is, we don't need to import our beef. We have a lot of excellent beef right here, so fuck your truckers is all I'm saying. (laughs) Let's get into it. So, um, Tefer and I were talking before we decided what to record this week about doing an episode on beef, and uh, you pointed out that, like, actually, maybe we should not just talk broadly about beef, because it's a really broad thing to talk about. Maybe we should pick a cut of beef. Cows are very broad. They're very broad. Have you ever yeah. looked at a cow? I yeah, I used to live very near quite a lot of cows. Yeah. Yeah. You've known cows. I've been up close and personal with cows. What was the nicest cow you ever met? Oh, there okay, so every year there was a cow there was a cow field across the road basically from my house growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh when I lived in the country and um uh, every year there would be baby cows and we would name the baby cows. And one year there was a baby cow who was black with a white star on his forehead cute just so pretty and i named him oliver because i was in love with someone named (laughs) oliver and i would just go to the fence and i would talk to him (laughs) he was just the nicest cow did he ever tell you things no but he looked at me with his big starry eyes that's the nicest cow i ever met I mean, Oliver sounds like a really nice cow. Yeah, I'm sure he's long digested. I was, I didn't want to say it. I this thought was, about this it. This was 25 years ago. <laughs> yeah. No cow lives for 25 years. Well, rest in pasture, Oliver. Such a nice cow. Yeah. Such a nice cow you were. Indeed. I would bring him apples and like carrots and stuff. Oh, wow. You really had like a relationship with this cow. Huh? Oh, yeah. He was, like, he was my neighbor. Wow. Sometimes they would get through the fence and come into our backyard. <laughs> Have a little tea party. They would leave holes all over the backyard. Wait, what? Cows are heavy. Oh, okay. That makes. I thought you meant like it. Like Oliver would come dig some holes in your. Oliver would come dig some holes in my yard. No, cows are just heavy. They have big hooves, so when they are on soft ground, they sink in. Oh, sure. Pretty yeah. deep. Yeah. And uh, so, especially when it's like a yard, it's like pretty soft uh, ground. Does it ever happen like if a cow stands in the same spot for long enough? Do farmers have to come, like, help it get out of the hole that it has gradually dug? Or? I mean, cows can get stuck in mud. Incredible. Like any animal. Sure, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, but if you've ever been in a pasture, like, the ground is pretty hard packed. 
okay. under there because of animals. Because they don't want the cows to sink. Yeah. No, because the cows pack it down. Oh, of course. By walking. Yeah, so yeah. it's only if like our yard was pretty low and we were in a pretty like wet area. Sure. So our yard would stay pretty soft. Mm-hmm. But like the cow pasture was a little higher ground and there's like a lot of cows in it. So. Right. So if the cows felt like getting their ankles wet, they would come hang out at your house for a little bit. Uh, no, I mean, ideally they would not. They had a fence to prevent them from doing so. Just sometimes they would get through the fence. <laughs> well, you know Oliver. He's a cheeky guy. He can't oh, be controlled. Oh, who is such a nice cow. Well, not to immediately go from stories of childhood cows. <laughs> cow friends to uh, talking about eating cows. Uh, that is what we're here to do today. We're talking about hanger steak. We're here to uh, eat cows and take names. Yeah, we're all out of names. <laughs> hanger steak, uh, we decided to talk about because we have been eating a lot of it recently. Uh, because I kind of set a goal for myself in 2022 that I am going to try not necessarily a new cut of meat every week, uh, not necessarily a brand new recipe every week, but one or the other, you know, pick up something new every week uh, that I haven't had before or that I haven't really intentionally had before. And, uh, well, the butcher where I work has a very nice marinated hanger steak. And I just eat whatever you bring home. Yeah. So I've also <laughs> been eating a lot of hanger steak. <laughs> In all fairness, we we had one marinated hanger steak and one non-marinated hanger steak. I don't understand the in all fairness. Well, like we just we didn't eat like a ton of it this week. Oh we no, no, no. We haven't been eating steaks. we haven't been eating beautiful steaks every night this no, week. No, no, we can't afford to do Tragically. that. Tragically. <laughs> we could if you all go to patreon.com slash <laughs> Sponsor a steak. <laughs> Buy a steak for oh, that's fun. Yeah. Buy us a steak. Buy us some dinner. You know what? I must mm-hmm. say, patrons can tell us to make things. It's true. Assign us a recipe, we'll make it, we'll report it back. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you gotta you gotta give us money you gotta for that. Gotta pay up, buddy. <laughs> we are we are just poor queer people raising our family. Yeah. We don't have money. We don't really have money. Not really. We survive. I have a job but it, it doesn't really pay. Look, I mean the <laughs> thing about jobs is like sometimes you have a job that, that you survive with and sometimes you have a job that you thrive with. And right now we're in a place where we're surviving. Yeah, but it would be nice to thrive. It'd be nice to thrive. It would be nice. Yeah. So you want to know why it's called a hanger steak? Let, let me give you some hanger steak facts. How does that sound? Um, do you keep it on a hanger? Uh, no, believe <gasps> it or not. There's a lot of cuts of beef that we do keep on hangers. Not the hanger steak. Is it the part of the cow that they keep in their closet and only put on for special occasions? Yeah. So the reason we call it a hanger steak is because when we're done wearing our butcher clothes at the end of the day, we wrap them around the hanger steak and put it in our closet for safekeeping. Well, that explains (laughs) how you smell. (laughs) No. So the hanger steak, uh, for those who are unfamiliar, is so-called because it is a piece of meat that hangs from the diaphragm of the cow. So like kind of front chest area of the cow it hangs from the diaphragm well like i mean once you've like cut open the like it, it it's it's kind of weird to to think about it actively hanging but like if you were to i guess skin a cow and have it like the the piece kind of flaps off and hangs there oh oliver we're really <laughs> digging into oliver today huh poor guy all right let's let's leave it alone now but okay sure yeah. so the hanger steak is a little floop piece of the upper abdominus shall we say indeed indeed it okay. floops it hangs from the diaphragm of the cow um an it upper is. abdominal flooper is, I believe, the scientific. <laughs> yeah, exactly. A, a UAF, if you will. <laughs> um, so it is uh, from the same muscle as the skirt steak that people might be familiar with, but it is not the same. Uh, they're they're adjacent to each other. Like, a, you know, a lot of cuts of meat I have discovered since starting to work as a butcher are like, hmm, here's where this cut of meat is. And then an inch over from it is where this cut of meat is. And like not 
defined in the same way that like you know when you cut up a chicken yeah all of the all of the pieces of chicken are really clearly like here is the breast here is the wing here is the leg with cows and things it's much more complicated which okay. makes sense because they're yeah. huge but like yeah so the skirt steak is one piece of where that muscle is on the diaphragm and the hanger is another that's like immediately adjacent to it the like key difference there the skirt steak is a lot longer and thinner so it's less flavorful okay yeah okay so the skirt steak is the one the cow wears for special occasions exactly yeah yeah well you okay. hang the skirt steak on the on okay. the hanger steak when you put it into do you the closet. Know, do you know which muscles we're talking about? My anatomy nerdery um, is getting curious. Cruda, maybe? Is that a is that a thing? Crura. Yeah. Okay. I was close. It's a tendinous structure below the diaphragm. Yeah, so coming a little bit more into the name of the hanger steak uh, and the difference between it and the skirt steak, uh, you might hear some people, specifically the English, call the hanger steak a skirt. <laughs> Not to be confused with the actual skirt steak. This is just because the English are bad at naming things. They are wrong. Yep. The the hanger is not the same as the skirt steak. And Unless was, you're in Britain. Well, but it's dumb because it's not. <laughs> like I don't I don't know, maybe they call the skirt steak something else then, you know, and it just kind of like Oliver's all the way down from there. But I have no idea why they would call it that, because it's not the same thing. Okay. The French call it the anglais, which uh roughly translates to like a tab or a hinge, which makes sense so, for not Anglais. Not Anglais. <laughs> Which is it's French English. for English, who, as previously established, are dumb for calling it a skirt. Yeah. So the French call it the English, and the English call it a skirt, and we call it a hanger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And there we go. And the uh, the Mexicans call it arachera, which roughly translates as will tear. English. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> English, yeah. Uh, will tear, which makes sense because it, you know, is a very, like, yeah. terrible, tender, delicious thing. I did a little looking and it seems mm-hmm. like the crura is actually it's like called the legs of the diaphragm so it's not just okay. attached to the diaphragm but it's actually maybe structurally like similar to the diaphragm okay which is interesting yeah yeah what why would they call it the legs of the, does it like do the heavy lifting like how does that work i i think it supports the diaphragm okay sure that makes sense yeah and it's underneath so it like it's, underneath, it's like so legs it's if your diaphragm needs to take a little walk mm-hmm. i i have no knowledge today i only have jokes <laughs> that's okay <laughs> Yeah, the, the other kind of interesting thing about names for the hanger steak is uh, another way that you would have maybe heard this referred to in the past is as the butcher steak. Uh, this is because of two things. One, it's not like the prettiest cut of meat. Like, I mean, you've seen it. Yeah, right? it's kind of a little placenta type thing. Well, I don't know that I would call it a placenta. <laughs> hey, we should do an episode on placenta. Look, if people want to pay us to do an episode on placenta, they can go to <laughs> patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod. Um, no, I mean, the, the hanger steak is, it's kind of like an ugly piece. It's yeah. not the most beautiful cut. You know, like you get a nice like ribeye or something. Like it's a beautiful looking steak. Yeah. This is one of those ones that just kind of looks like a hunk of meat. It's a little like shredded looking. Like it's yeah. not, it's not pretty to look at. But it is delicious exactly and so it became known as the butcher's steak or the butcher's cut because it was kind of crude and the normies didn't want it right so the butchers would just like not bother selling it to them and they'd take it home and eat it themselves because they yeah. knew it was kind of the diamond in the rough yeah yeah and uh the hanger steak was not like super popular for a really long time partly because of that uh, and partly because like you know well i mentioned ribeyes before i'll just keep comparing it to a ribeye which is a very different cut right but like yeah. that's like a steak ass steak like when you picture a steak you're picturing a ribeye or like a bone-in ribeye which is just yeah. a rib steak like there's a lot of those on each cow 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. you, you get the rib of a cow and you can cut like many, many steaks from that thing. Yeah. But there's one anglais. There's one hanger on each cow. Yeah. So it's like, it's not. Special. Yeah, it's special. It's special and it's delicious enough to back that up, mm-hmm. you know. But here's my question. Price wise, yeah. how does a hanger steak stack up to a ribeye? You said a ribeye, there's several in a cow. The hanger steak, there's only sure. one. Yeah. But the hanger has the history of being ugly and unsellable. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really depends on where you're buying it from, because okay. uh, obviously, like you know, butchers are going to set their own prices a lot of the time. Um, I know that we sell it like we can get a hanger steak, which is enough for like you know two people at least. Yeah, like two we, three. Yeah, like usually it's like twenty bucks. Yeah. Okay. Whereas, and a ribeye is similar. Uh, well, like one ribeye steak is like twenty twenty five bucks, depending on yeah. where you're buying it from. Like, I mean, we have like <laughs> the butcher I work at has like premium AAA Canadian yeah. beef uh, brought to us by Canadian truckers who don't have to cross borders to bring it to us. <laughs> <clears throat> Granted, it's beef from Alberta, so, you know, we can say all we want about Alberta. Uh, but, like, it's it's very high quality. It's beef fancy from Alberta. Beef. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Everything else we sell is from Quebec. Yeah. But our beef, like, Quebec's beef is fine. <laughs> but, you know. Well, Quebec's not, not as much of a beef. We don't yeah. have the big wide we do, pastures. We do there dairy are cows. cows. Quebec has big dairy cows. Big dairy cows. And really also, like, cow. uh, if you want, like, Quebec's big on heirloom farming. You mm-hmm. know, if you want to find a weird ass, like, <laughs> heritage breed beef that's sure. something you will find it if you go if you drive up towards like kind of roughly towards sherbrooke sure. like i've spent some time kind of on that drive you will pass through some of the weirdest farms <laughs> with the prettiest animals so there's like yeah. venison farms there's like beautiful little cows that like you've one time i got lost up a road and there was just like all these beautiful cows in a field and i got to say hi to them and it turned out they were like some kind of heritage mm-hmm. beef breed but in terms of like big flat cattle farming yeah some of that in ontario obviously because i know sure. but it's more dairy around here yeah well quebec and yeah. ontario are both like big dairy farm provinces yeah. whereas and the Alberta's like it's more of the beef yeah exactly. it's our lone star state it really is in yeah. a lot of ways <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so that's that's kind of all the like facts, I guess, that I have for you about hanger steak. Mostly name-based things, mostly that it's delicious, and that it's not really going to cost you a fortune. Mm-hmm. Because even if it's like per kilo or per pound or whatever, a slightly higher price than something else, it's not a huge cut ever. Yeah. Right? So it's like going to be cheaper than a lot of things, and it's delicious. Until this episode comes out, and everybody goes to the br- butcher and asks for hanger steaks, and well, the butcher's like, well... <clears throat> You know, that's going to happen, right? Like, this is an interesting thing is like hanger steak, that kind of did happen with it, right? Where it wasn't popular for a very long time. And then somebody, probably some celebrity chef, dropped that it was delicious and that people should start looking for it. And it gained popularity, as these things often do. But yeah, so if you can get your hands on a hanger steak, do. Yeah. It's very, very good. It's so yummy. It really is. Like, so I'm not like... I like red meat. I like beef a lot, Mm -hmm. but I'm not super familiar with it because I didn't grow up eating lots of meat. And then I was married to a vegetarian for many years. Um, So my like my meat eating, uh, my regular meat eating really started when I moved in here and started dating you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, And so this has been very fun for me because I think until very recently, I couldn't have really told you the difference between cuts of meat. Like it's you know i wouldn't have known the difference between like a marbled or a lean piece Mm. uh despite sometimes making a flank steak or whatever like i would just go and find something 
pretty and cheap and right. make it. <laughs> Um, and the hanger steak was really fun for me because it's uh, it's such a particular kind of meat. Like mm-hmm. it's not fatty the way a ribeye is. It's not doesn't have that kind of buttery mouthfeel really. Right. But it's certainly not a flank steak. It's not a working muscle, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a tender muscle that's not doing a lot. And that's what I found really interesting in this is that we're kind of I think of meat I'm sorry if this upsets anybody but I think about like what muscle it is like as we've already like I'm always curious I'm like what and I find that there's a different taste between the muscles that are working and the muscles that are kind of lying around being ladies of leisure which makes sense right like that's why the ribeye is more tender it's the ribs it's not Mm -hmm. the abdominus it's not gonna get tough from holding a cow up um but the the flank the uh sorry not the flank steak the hanger steak Mm -hmm. is Maybe my favorite cut that sure. I've had so far, like yeah. honestly. Um, it's really tender when you cut it. So we just seared it in a pan. We didn't even finish it in the oven, really. We just cooked it like five minutes on each side. I think we and did then finish rested it in the it. oven, didn't we? I don't remember. One of them because it was big. Yeah. So that's the other thing is that it can it's irregular shapes. So yes. there was one that was thin and one that was almost <laughs> like a tenderloin. But we cooked it really simply. One was marinated, one wasn't. And then you want to make sure you cut it against the grain. This is so important for meat. Uh, you want to cut it against the grain because otherwise it's not going to be tender. Um, so find the grain are those, those muscle striations that you'll see in it. Uh, cut it perpendicular to those. Mm-hmm. And even though it wasn't fatty, so here's the th- is uh, it fatty? Finish that sentence. It's not lean, but it's not fatty. So here's the thing with hanger steak, because I know what you mean by it not being fatty, yeah. but I think that it's misleading to describe it that way. Okay. So hanger steak set is... me straight, butcher. Well, so here's the thing. Yeah, it, it's really it's tricky because like there are cuts of meat that are like not fatty at all, right? That are just like mostly just very lean very yeah. much just like meat meat with and not they that taste much very beefy yeah, yeah. They, they tend to be the beefier tasting ones hanger steak is not one of those no it's not because it's marbled really really nicely okay when we say marbling what we mean is like meat and fat that mix together in yeah. a really significant way where you'll see like on a lot of coming back to the ribeye a lot of ribeye kind of the sort of like hunk of steak kind of steak there's like a fat cap to it that's exactly yeah. it there will be big hunks of fat that yeah. dissolve beautifully into the meat um, but they won't necessarily be like super marbled okay like you'll have bigger fat sections in it yeah as opposed to the hanger which really is like marbled through it as opposed to just like having some hunks of fat spread mm-hmm. throughout so the hanger steak is kind of like if you're making a pastry dough and you want to fold all the fat through it, but not completely incorporate it so that when it cooks, it just kind of blends. Although with pastry, it's because you want flakes. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of like what the what the like apt comparison here would be. The, the way that the fat in something that's well marbled interacts with the meat is like when you blend fruit into the pastry that you're making or like blend it into the dough, right? Mix it in perfectly. I don't know what I'm saying. You would never mix what am fruit I into pastry dough. What am I trying to say? The way <laughs> the way that the... This is where my having no idea how baking works comes in. <laughs> well, muddle. It's, it's Jack yeah. Spratt and it's, his wife. <laughs> it's very well integrated into it. Yeah. As opposed to having chunks of fruit like you might with like a muffin. Right. 
You right. see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of blended in. But it's so what I was where I was going with yeah. that initially is that I think that marbling is what makes it tender, right? Yes, exactly. Because the fat sort of breaks up those muscle fibers and then it renders in the cooking and kind of soaks in and you have this beautiful flaky pull apart meat. Yeah. 100%. The same way you get like a slow cooked, uh, uh, a slow cooked hunk will do that as well. Right. Um, so it's just it's just so tender. And I, being somebody who is not super familiar with eating meat until recently, mm-hmm. um, have a little trouble with the like chunks of fat. Sure. I know you love to eat them just like, and I just, I don't. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But when it's marbled in and mixed in like that, you get all the flavor mm-hmm. and I don't have to contend with my particular sensory brain going. Eesh. Yeah. And and like, look, I'm I'm someone who likes the like yeah. fat cap like the the big hunks of fat and like gristle and things like that like i will you know to the best of my ability in here there's some parts that you know you suck everything off and then you're like and this goes to the (laughs) side but like i like that and even i find it challenging at times as opposed to like yeah something that's really beautifully marbled can be super fatty and still incredible and really it's easy to eat right it's easy on the there's probably a fancy word for it but it's like the it's very palatable. You it's know? very pa- that's a good word for it. That's, yeah. that's a, here's where I was going with the pastry thing. Yeah, uh, my brain finally clicked for that. Sure, it's yeah, the yeah. difference between having a laminated pastry where you folded the butter in, and a piece of bread and butter. Yep, totally. Yeah, totally. Both of which are delicious, yeah. but very different things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a it's a croissant versus a like baguette with with butter. Now I want. Now I want both of those things. Me too. Me too. I really do. (laughs) We're going to take a quick break and head over to the mid-roll where we ask you for money and things. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about Hanger Stick. Hey, thanks for hanging around while we cut to the mid-roll. See what I did there? Hanging around like a Hanger Stick. Ooh, that's the kind of fun we have here on No Bad Food. We do food puns. What do you know? Good good times. Anyway, if you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review we get during the month of January, we'll be donating $2 to The Depot, our local food bank here in our neighborhood of NTG. The Depot is great. They turn every $1 that they get in donations into $3 worth of food for a family in need. So by doing the simple free act of leaving a rating and review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. Um, so, you know, just just kind of off the top of my head, that's like uh, four reviews becomes a hanger steak, for instance. Although I don't think that they would, you know, spend the money that way and get one hanger steak because that's not really how food banks work most of the time. They, they, they're a little more efficient with things, but you know what I mean. Do it. <laughs> By doing the simple and free act of leaving a rating review of the show, you're functionally donating $6 worth of food to people who need it. There is literally no other way to turn zero into six. So if that math is exciting for you, go do it. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description of this episode. If you haven't already made your nominations for this year's Munch Madness tournament, hit the link in the description and go do it as soon as possible. Tomorrow is the last day to submit your nominations, February 1st. Um, so, you know, if you haven't done it yet, I really recommend doing it today so that you don't forget to do it today and then also forget to do it tomorrow. You know, do it while it's on your mind. You can do it while you listen to this episode because the questions in the nomination form are really, really simple. You could probably hit the link for it right now as I'm saying this and finish filling out the form by the time the mid-roll is over. That's how little time it takes, okay? 
Basically, what you do is you choose up to three foods from a list of 20 topics that we covered last year, and then write in one food you'd be excited to see compete in this year's tournament. It's really easy. It takes very little time. Like I said, this is your last chance to do it and participate in democracy in a kind of meaningless way. So uh, yeah, hit the link. Make your nominations for Munch Madness. It's fun. Be part of our dumb food tournament. It's it's not important, but it's fun. <laughs> Lastly, if you haven't had a chance yet to listen to last week's episode where Tefer and I talked about cardamom, go cue that up to listen to when you finish with this one. It's uh, it's interesting. We get into kind of how aromatics work, uh, some of the interesting ways that you can use cardamom in your day-to-day life, like coffee and cake and curries and things, and I think you'll really get a kick out of it. So yeah, listen to it. But not till you're done with this one. You know, hang around for the rest of the Hanger Steak episode, then go drop the cardamom love bomb or whatever. All right. I think that's all we have for the mid-roll today. That's it. Yeah. Give you another like 10 seconds to finish filling out that form. Look at you writing in your your nomination by hand there, writing it uh, typing it in by hand, you know, telling us which food you want to you want us to talk you want us to put the hanger steak in the you can make a ooh baby daddy, you can put whatever you want. Ooh, bah, mm, baby daddy is a weird one to call you. Are you done yet? Am I stalling enough for time? Have I stalled enough for you to finish filling out the form for Munch Madness? Good. Thanks for doing it. All right. That's enough of my rambling. Let's get back to the show. Hey, thanks for hangering in there while we did the <laughs> mid-roll. That's the third time I've made this pun. <laughs> I'm sticking with it. Let's talk about some uses of hanger steaks. Yeah, we've already mentioned clothes storage yeah. um, and other storage. Putting an airplane inside one to eat. Exactly. Yeah. A yeah. um, lot of options. A lot of options. Yeah. Uh, but really, I'd say my favorite is that it's just, you know, fun to hang out with. Yeah, it's true. If you yeah. need a steak to pop a beer open and eat a pizza on a couch this is your man watch a game and vent maybe yeah. uh maybe go on like an errand date which is one of my favorite kind of friend dates sure, yeah hanger steak is your guy it is or, absolutely girl would we say steaks are the gender of the cow they come from or would we say that they have their own intrinsic gender that i find really interesting i think that you would have to ask every individual steak what gender it identifies as in okay. order to figure that okay, out. Okay, so it's sort of like an intuitive exercise. Yeah. I do think if we're going to be like real picky about it on a like sex level, it is probably, you know, a cow hanger is female and a bull, bull hanger is male, but like gender is a construct. Okay, okay. You know? So do you think steaks, different steaks from the same cow could be different genders? Yes, but I don't think they could be different sexes. You know what I mean? I think the sex and gen- I think Judith Butler would have something to say about this sex Maybe. gender. Well, and and like on an ideological level, so do I. But I think mm-hmm. if we're like talking about the meat of it, yeah, I think because because the meat of it is different between cows. Well, and I mean, bulls, here's you know? the question: uh, Is it? Yes. Okay, so tell me about this. I don't know about this. <laughs> well, so bulls don't do milk, right? Yes. So their bodies physiologically are different. Okay. Than cow bodies. And what I do think- we usually eat? cow i think but wait now i'm not even sure you're a butcher i thought you were gonna give me new knowledge bull meat is tougher and fattier than regular meat from beef cattle since it tends to come from an older animal but it's still edible so we usually eat cows yeah oh cows and geldings i think yeah um yeah i think beef beef cattle get uh castrated yeah 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 so what we're saying is the secret to delicious beef is estrogen yeah. Yeah. Basically. Okay. Now I'm seeing someone <laughs> saying generally we eat bulls and not cows. 
Huh? Well, because the cows give the milk, right? Yeah. So you want to keep them as dairy cattle. We need a farmer. We need a we need a, we need a, we need a cow a farmer. But what I did just confirm via Google search is that male and female calves do have different flavor to the proteins of them. Okay. So like in that sense, like I do think that like the gender of the cow matters. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Well, I was asking a stupid question, but um. So you got a stupid <laughs> answer. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so. Mm-hmm. Uh, beef is non-binary. Beef is non-binary. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about some uses of hanger steak. Uh, so the way that we had it first yeah. together, at least knowingly, we probably have had, like, it's one of those things where you've probably had it at a restaurant, you know? Uh, I don't know. The one that we cooked first mm-hmm. was the marinated hanger steak from where I work that is marinated à la Japonie. Japanese yeah, style marinade. That's right. Yeah. I love a Japanese style marinade on a beef. That's one of my favorite things. Off the top of my head, I kind of know what goes into that marinade. Can I guess? Yes. Okay. I'm going to guess ginger, garlic, uh, maybe onion, soy sauce, vinegar, sugar, green onion. So you're right on ginger, garlic, soy sauce. Mm-hmm. There's uh, orange juice in oh, this marinade. Nice. Um, oyster sauce. Yeah, okay. In there. And uh, lemongrass. Nice. Oh, I miss the lemongrass now. Yeah. Anyway, that's lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Very tasty. Um, But yeah, not uh, no onion. Yeah. Okay. Of any of any kind. Oddly, I just kind of guessed that because people just put that in things. Sesame oil too, I think. Oh, that's what I missed. I would have guessed that. I would have guessed sesame oil if I had remembered too. Yeah, we we sold (laughs) because this is what happens when I eat a new thing that I like from work is that then when customers ask me what they should get, I recommend the thing I just had. Yeah. So we sold a lot of hanger steak at work this week. Yeah. (laughs) Because a large part of my job is the customer service side of it, and um, (laughs) people kept asking, "Oh, what's in the marinade?" So I kept having to like go back and double check and yeah. So if you ever want to know what we've been eating, mm-hmm. um, go to Tom's work and ask them what they recommend. Yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of ways that you can do a hanger steak, right? Um, most of the time, what I would recommend is grilling it and yeah. like, you know, you can roast it off to finish it. I think earlier you said we just pan fried it. We did finish it in the oven. We finished one in the oven. Yeah. I don't think we finished both in the oven. The one that was cooked properly, we finished, we finished in, in the, the oven. oven. And then the next time when I did it, I forgot to finish it in the oven. And that's why it was much more rare than we wanted it at first. And we had to put it back and deal with it later. And we put it in the oven. Yeah. Yeah. Did you not put the first one in the oven? I don't remember. I think you did. I don't remember. Anyway. The first one I followed Tan's instructions. So you put it in the oven because okay. the second one I forgot to follow Tan's instructions. The first one I followed Tan's instructions, but I seared it a little longer. Okay. And it was a little overcooked. Sure. For me, personally. Yeah. <clears throat> the second one, I think. Anyway. The second one I did not follow Tan's instructions. We we did it we and did it, it was tasty. Yeah. Yeah. Um other kind of popular uses for hanger steak. I alluded to this a little bit before, but it's very popular in Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Uh specifically it's very good in tacos. Like if you've gotten like a grilled beef taco, mm-hmm. it has most likely been hanger steak or the chef making it has been mad that they didn't get hanger steak <laughs> for it and had to use something else. Um which actually I guess brings me to like if you are really desperate for hanger steak and you can't get it, because mm-hmm. again, it's in short supply because it's one a small steak per cow. <laughs> yeah. You can use things like flank. You can use things like skirt. Uh, you can use things like the bavette. They'll all have kind of, they're from similar places on the cow, but it's not going to be quite the same. But I think for the purposes of like a taco, where what you want is to just like grill it and have it be tasty and like 
then cut it up into pieces as opposed to like wanting the whole steak. I think using a skirt would be fine and maybe even a little easier because it's a thinner piece so it doesn't, you know, take as long to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be a little less flavorful. I usually use flank steak for tacos, like <laughs> in the past because I didn't know about this. Yeah. And I find it's a very different kind of kind of meat. Like it tastes, it's, it's a much more muscly, yes. lean, striated kind of cut. It tastes very beefy. It doesn't have that marbling. It's good. I like it. Yeah. I make tacos with it. But I, I, it's like, it's interesting to me that it can be adjacent enough to be a replacement, but be such a completely different kind of meat. Yeah. So, so where it comes from, so like the hanger comes from the plate, which is like the middle, well, it's the diaphragm, right? Uh, and then the flank comes from, I guess, the lower tummy. It's like the tummy yeah. stick. Yeah, yeah, um, tummy So it's like, it's adjacent in that sense where it's like kind of next door. Mm-hmm. Um, it hangs mm-hmm. on the bottom of the body in a similar way. So it like has a similar kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is less tender. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing probably just a little bit less marbled. Yeah, it is less. It's very, yeah. it's very lean and it's very beefy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, you can use it as a, like, if you must. Oh, it's, it'll, I mean, it's delicious. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's good. I make flank tacos all the time. It's really, yeah. really tasty. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. it. The, the thing about, like, beef is there's so many different cuts that you can always find something that will work as, like, an yeah. okay replacement for it. Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, r- realistically, like, with a, with a cut like hanger steak, you're not always going to have access to it. So it's good to know, like, you know, what you can have as a substitute <laughs> that'll be, like close-ish yeah you know yeah and and i think when you're doing hanger steak if you want it for the flavor flank is probably a little bit better Mm -hmm. if you want it for the texture honestly you might even want to just go for like a fillet Mm -hmm. like a filet mignon kind of thing Mm -hmm. the thing is the filet mignon tends to be overpriced yeah (laughs) and kind of a like look I'm not going to say that filet mignon is bullshit, <laughs> but I think that filet mignon, filet mignon is a victim of French cuisine a little bit. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? Where like, mm. because French food is as like lauded as it is, and because filet mignon is a cut that is like prized in French cuisine and like because filet mignon sounds so fancy and because it is another one of those ones Mm -hmm. that there's not a ton of on each cow it's prized in a really similar way but i actually think it is kind of like look it's not a bad overrated yeah but it's overrated yeah yeah well filet mignon has a great pr campaign exactly filet mignon because it's tender it cooks beautifully it cuts beautifully it's pretty right in the way that a hanger stick as we've discussed is not yeah and it's become synonymous with luxury Mm -hmm. in the same way caviar for example which tastes like if a fish sneezed in your mouth (laughs) um how dare you also does (laughs) Mm-hmm. But it's it's a really good point that the thing that is that has the best PR and is the most expensive is not necessarily going to be the best tasting thing. Yeah. And and ultimately, I mean, this I'm treading now a little bit into a different topic, which is the gentrification of peasant food. Sure. Uh, which is interesting when we're talking about French cuisine, because a whole <laughs> lot of traditional French cuisine is, in fact, sure. gentrified peasant food. Right. That's all very interesting, and we're not going to have that conversation, but we should have that conversation sometime. Sure, yeah. Uh, but it's just a good thing to remember that, like, 
you know, if you say are cooking a nice dinner for your date and you want to impress them, you don't have to go for the filet. You don't you don't have to go for the most expensive cut. You can be just as impressive by being like, this is a cut that most people don't know about, Mm -hmm. but it is delicious. But ultimately, even the cheapest steak, if you treat it well, Mm -hmm. you can make it beautiful. That's it. Um, Food should be a beautiful food is accessible. Yep. Just because food is accessible does not mean it's bad. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. All of the tenderloin is about as tender as the hanger steak. (laughs) It's it's very similar in tenderness. It's just a little uglier to look at. Well, and the special thing about a filet or a tenderloin is that it's lean but also tender, right? It's one of the few muscles that is lean muscle because it's a working muscle but doesn't work enough to get tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it has that beautiful marbling as a result. Mm -hmm. And so if you're like, you know, if you're looking for something, basically what I'm saying here is if you don't mind aesthetically it looking a little less pretty, the hanger steak is much better (laughs) than the tenderloin or the filet mignon Mm -hmm. for price purposes, right? If you want a hanger steak for something for a recipe, but you can't get it because it's sold out, you can usually get the filet mignon and uh, a little like butcher tip for you if you're going to your butcher for it tell them you just want whichever pieces of filet mignon they or whichever pieces of the tenderloin they've got instead mm-hmm. of the center cut mm-hmm. tell them you'll take the scraps even mm-hmm. because if you're doing it for like a taco or something you don't need it to be one solid hunk yeah. right you can like fry that up you can you know do it however you need to and you're going to be shredding it up and chopping it up anyway so you don't need that center cut. You don't need that expensive piece of the tenderloin. You can now, take the ends that are a little bit disheveled. Will that be cheaper? Depends on where you go. Okay. Depends on where you go. If you're going to your local butcher, it will be cheaper to ask for the tenderloin, like the end scraps, than to ask for the center cut. Yeah. If they distinguish. They yeah. might not distinguish. Yeah. They might just, you know, like that's the reality of it is that like because the whole tenderloin gets called the filet mignon yeah. so often, they might just have one price for the two. Now, what if you ask for tenderloin instead of filet? Uh, if they know their stuff, they will, you know, <laughs> cut it for you and give you the, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, like, but but it really depends. Yeah, like it, yeah. it's going to depend on where you go, the ethics of the butcher that you're buying from. Like, I don't know. Um, but I would say like most of the time, most butcher shops are going to have some like scrap pieces of filet mignon or of the tenderloin kicking around because once you get to kind of the head of the tenderloin it's kind of ugly looking yeah and people aren't necessarily going to want it it's really hard to cut thin steaks from the head as well because it's three bits that have been tied together into Mm -hmm. one lump at the front so like that's that's a hard piece to sell so you might be able to even kind of deal with your butcher i don't know (laughs) but like they'll have that and that is a really nice piece that you can totally use Mm -hmm. as a substitute for the hanger if you're like doing tacos or something. Cool. Yeah. So let's say I get a hanger steak. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it real simple. I'm gonna do salt, pepper, sure. sear it, oven it. Yeah. Which is delicious. Yep. We did that. It's good. You can do it. Yep. You don't need fancy. No. Uh, I mean, you can do fancy marinades and and rubs and they'll be delicious Mm -hmm. but you can do this one with salt and pepper and it'll be so nice totally i'm gonna do that uh what should i get to go with it yeah so this is interesting um so you know when we did our like japanese marinated one we did like rice and broccoli yeah fantastic delicious so good 10 10 would recommend i think rice and broccoli great side for all cuts of beef 
honestly. Oh, and it's so good for when you're iron deficient, mm-hmm. like I often am. <laughs> um, but if we're if we're just kind of like you know spitballing, I think there's also something really nice about potatoes with steak. I think doing like a mashed potato on the side with it is really nice. Uh, honestly, my my feeling about like beef is always that I want like a starch and a seasonal veggie with it right and like you know I saw the way you smiled at that like that is something that resonates you know it's it's warm and it's nice so like with a hanger steak like any whatever your starch of choice is be it rice or potatoes or I like a turnip mash or a rutabaga couscous if you feel a nasty <gasps> you know the food so nice they had to give it two names the food so noose they named it twoose <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean I like I think I've talked about this before but what I like to do one of my favorite things to do is go to the grocery store and find something that looks nice and figure out a meal around it yeah and there's something so appealing about say going to a butcher like the one you work at which is also a small grocery store picking up whatever cut you're gonna get and then just kind of walking through the store and saying okay what looks nice what's in season my mom used to do this dish that i have not made in ages and should of uh, matchstick to rutabaga and carrots with a dijon like a grainy dijon mustard Mm, um, on them and i feel like that would be really good as well yeah find it oh god here's my challenge to you today dear listeners <laughs> find a vegetable you've never cooked before mm-hmm. if you're picking up your piece of meat or tofu or whatever find a vegetable you've never cooked before and look it up and try it and then tell me because i want to know yeah tell me what new vegetable you tried and how you cooked it and if you liked it you can tweet it at me at tefer bear i'm literally never not on twitter yeah that's true <laughs> yeah no that's it like i i think there is something to that right like and it, it's a thing we talk about a lot on the show is like seasonality of ingredients, yeah. especially like seasonality of produce. I mean, I guess there's no seasonality of meat. That's not a thing. Um, uh, I guess. There are, there are butchering seasons. That's true. Historically. That's true. That you would, you would butcher it in the winter because you could keep it chilled. Yeah. Fair point. Yep. Fair point. Um, but in terms of like availability, there's like... Well, yes, we live in a world where you can get literally anything you want, except apparently lychee jelly bellies. Yeah. Well, (laughs) listeners, we do have a P.O. box. Uh, (laughs) The address is in the description if you have lychee jelly bellies you want to send to Teffer. So so my birthday is in like a month. So I'm starting to think about Amazon wish lists because sometimes I just put one out there for people to buy me things. Oh, yeah. And I saw a two pound bag of jelly bellies. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. My ritual is kind of dependent on having the single serving. So... Yeah, I mean, two pounds is just four of those single-serving bags. No. Yeah. No. How big are the single-serving bags? They're like 100 grams. Okay, so it's 10 of the (laughs) single-serving bags. (laughs) That's one pound. Nope. Nope. That's a kilo. A pound is 450 grams. You mean a kilogram is 1,000 grams? Yeah. What? (laughs) Yep. And a kilo is about two pounds. Somebody somebody had me do math in a meeting today, too. And I was just like, uh, I was like, yeah, I think the limit on this is three hours. And I looked at it. I was like, no, it's 180 minutes. And he was like, so three hours, three hours. You I shut your face. I had to do math at work the other day. My high school math teacher. I love this story. My 10th grade math teacher came into the butcher where I work, walked up to the counter, hadn't noticed it was me yet and said, hi, uh, I need eight chicken thighs, but you guys only sell them in packs of three. Is there anything you can do about that? And I looked her dead in the eye and said, Miss, you know I can. And then she realized it was me. 
You know, when people are like, story problems have no application to real life. <laughs> They're wrong. She made me solve for X at work <laughs> 10 years later. Yeah, so this same math teacher when I was in the 10th grade, there was a wasp flying around the room. And like, you know, teenagers are going to watch that, right? Like, yeah. we're not going to be paying attention to anything anymore until that bug is not in the room anymore. Um, and she was like getting annoyed with it, which like fair, you know, <laughs> long suffering woman. She has retired now. Bless her. Bless her. I'm I'm happy for her because she seems very happy being retired. <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, I was watching this bee fly around the class and uh, then I looked at it near the window and pointed a little finger gun at it and did a little fake pew and it smacked into the window for like (laughs) probably totally unrelated reasons i don't think i have superpowers but my friend tyler saw this and lost his shit and uh she kicked us both out for being disruptive and i couldn't blame her honestly no that's pretty disruptive yeah but this week i got her eight chicken thighs so how did you do it we're good well (laughs) i grabbed stay with me here i grabbed three packages Uh uh-huh and uh, turned them into two packages. And then I just set aside another package of two that I got rid of. Wouldn't that be one? Of one, maybe. I don't remember. Three maybe I set aside two packages of two. Math is hard, people. But you know what's not hard? Eating a well-cooked hanger steak. Not well done. Ugh. But a well-cooked hanger steak. Yeah, you want this one definitely medium. We even had this one a little rarer than I usually like. And yeah. it was very nice. Yeah. That was the um, night that I messed up the cooking we uh but we mentioned good, we mentioned know? following tan's instructions earlier let's give a shout little out shout to out tan. to tan we tan is tan. one of my co-workers at the butcher great guy knows his stuff uh-huh you want to yep. you want something cooked you ask tan he that's will it. tell you immediately he will yep um but yeah no that's it this this is a cut that benefits from being like medium rare even like rare if you like it rare but yeah the tenderness the juiciness so much juiciness. So juicy. So tender, so juicy. So tender, so juicy. So good. Yeah, so I think coming back to it, yeah, some kind of starch, some kind of seasonal veg. I'm a big fan a of like salad. root vegetables, especially. Yeah, yeah, root vegetables with this. I feel like rutabaga would pair really nicely with it. Mm. I feel like a rutabaga and then like a little fresh salad with a little bite to it. I know mm-hmm. you don't like arugula, but I think arugula would be really nice. I think I'm coming around on arugula. Okay. I think I didn't for a long time. I think... Of the kind of trendy greens, yeah. arugula is still not my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like, I think well, I like kale it's more. Um, it's, yeah, well, it's peppery, right? Yeah. And I think, here's my issue with arugula, <laughs> as a, you know, aside, I think people just throw arugula on things. Oh, absolutely. It's trendy. Yeah. And I don't like that. I think mm-hmm. just raw arugula thrown on something, I don't need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. arugula thoughtfully incorporated into things I can get behind well you're less of a bitter greens person like I am somebody mm-hmm. who will just snack on bitter greens mm-hmm. just for the snicky snacky of it sure um, and so for me if you just like give me a handful of arugula I will literally just chomp into sure. it like a goat right uh, but not all of us are like that <laughs> uh, yeah no that's it I, for me like bitter greens I like bitter greens but I like them to be in a context that makes sense for them And I don't think that just here's what my real issue is, is that once I had a pizza that said it was like, you know, it was like a garlic mushroom and arugula pizza, Mm. which sounds really nice, Mm -hmm. except the way they incorporated the arugula was that it was just a garlic mushroom pizza with a handful of arugula on top, just sprinkled on top. And it was trash. I don't like it when people do that. It's not convenient to eat. They do it to sandwiches a lot, too. Like like, you can't just use it as a substitute for lettuce. Get out of here. Oh, yeah. It depends on the sandwich. Like you make a little. Okay, listen, listen. Stay with me. Stay Uh with me. Uh Stay with me. I'm with you. You make a crusty sourdough, you know, like that sourdough I made this week that was 
Real good. Magnificent. Crusty, perfect. Crusty wow. sourdough fresh. Toast yep. it so mm-hmm. it's just golden brown. Sure. Little fresh mayo on that. Mm-hmm. Little heirloom beefsteak tomato. Little salt, little pepper, little bit of arugula. Sure. Eat that. A little sliced up uh, hanger steak on there too, huh? Ooh, I like the way you think. Oh, yeah. Tie it all back together. I can't wait until we have tomatoes in our garden and I can eat tomatoes and it won't be snowing. Amen. 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 Well, that feels like a good note for us to go out on. <laughs> I think so. The synth keyboard comes in here in the background. Now that you've said amen at the end of our conversation. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to No Bad Food. <laughs> Do you want to be part of the conversation? Hit us up on Twitter and Instagram at No Bad Food Pod. <laughs> and individually at Teffer Bear and at Tom Zalatni. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, you can head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and donate. For as little as $1 a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, and Carlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Chantal, and David. Our patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks and also help us buy our dinner, uh, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show. If that's exciting for you, head to patreon.com slash nobadfoodpod and make it happen. If you want to support us financially, another way to do that is with our merch. Oh, you're not going to keep this. The, the I, <laughs> <laughs> Come on. We're going out like it's a worship service. I mean, I was thinking hoser, uh, hosier, and I finished it. Hosier. Hoser. Hoser. Hosier. Uh, we also have merch. You can hit the merch link in the description to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at Tee Public. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. We'll be passing around an offering plate at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> our theme music is by Zach Ingalls and our cover is by David Flam. You can find links for both of them in the description of this episode. And last but certainly not least, the show is produced by me and edited by me Tom Zalat and I as part of the Upford Network you can find out about all the great shows on our network at UpfordNetwork.com and sings my soul my hang a steak to thee how great See you next week. (laughs) (laughs) You understand. It just takes a little time. It takes a little time. It takes a little time with me. I hope you don't mind. We'll take it slow this time. I'm Tefra Jemian, the producer and host of The Yeah Podcast, a young adult lit review podcast focusing on amplifying the diverse voices in YA literature. Join us as we dig into the world of young adult books, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what YA lit can teach us at any age. Discover the world of YA Lit through exclusive author interviews, book reviews, genre smackdowns, and more. The Yeah Podcast, 
available through the Upgrid Network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Dungeons. Dragons. Canada. The Multiverse Theory. Corgis. Queer representation. Reconciliation. Angels. Demons. Squirrels. Moose. Moose and squirrels. Sorcerers. Dinosaurs. Forests. Giants. Rogues. Warlocks. Plains. Sewers. Lavender. Natural Toonie. A Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Right here on the Upford Network. (laughs) Ah, 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 ah.